Hi, and welcome back to Praised Be. I am Kelsey. I um, am so excited to be on episode three. So we're going to be discussing episode two of season one. It's titled Birthday, and it is just as packed with details and information as episode one was. And I'm so excited to just like really divulge into this episode. But I'm even more excited to divulge into this episode because I have my cousin, one of my best friends, and like someone who is an educated, smart woman who knows about politics and life and culture and current events and also loves Handmaid's Tale as much as I do. So I'm so excited. My cousin Savannah is going to be uh, guesting on Praised Be this week. So it's going to be great to have her on. Um, so uh, let's just get right into the episode. Okay. Here she is, the lady of the hour. Say hi, Serena. Hi, everyone. Okay, so, yes, here we are. Here we are. Are you ready for this, Kels? I don't know. I can't handle it. I might be too mature. <laughs> Do you need to restart? <laughs> no, I'm okay. Okay. So, um, we start off, the episode starts off, and it's the ceremony, um, and June is, like, clearly, you know, getting raped because that's what the ceremony is, and she's disconnecting herself, and she's thinking about her past life, which is super common in, uh, victims, like, when during um an attack or an assault or whatever they'll disconnect themselves during the act so that way they don't feel as present and they don't have to have as much memories about like what was happening to them so i think that them making it uh so that way june is disconnecting herself like uh, makes more victims like uh able to like associate themselves with the handmaids and i think that was like a great like start to the show and then you said that you had some thoughts on Serena. Yeah, it was super interesting, especially because, you know, it is a ceremony. You know that there is a ritual behind it. There's a lot of thought and dedication to what a ceremony should be. And there was an obvious tension and, and this stress uh, among Serena's face during the entire ceremony and you know we don't know a whole lot yet we're just diving in so we don't know her backstory we don't know how involved she is in this you know republic of gilead but there's clearly some this taste on her end uh, that we don't really know about yet and it's it was really interesting to me because you're obviously sitting there watching your husband rape another woman <laughs> and so how can you be stressed or have this look of like she was like oh god this is just like wasting my Wednesday night I could be knitting a sweater like it wasn't like her husband was assaulting somebody it was more like it was taking more time out of her day that was like already not busy yeah and she just looked the disgust on her face as if she didn't like she's so much better than June Mm -hmm. like I can't believe I have to sit here and watch you do this you're a dirty whore yeah exactly and then there's just this question of what what is serena at this point who is she to the commander uh you know like why is she barren 
yeah, exactly. Why is she barren? Why is she treating this handmaid in such a way when she's supposed to be giving her what is the greatest gift according to True. God? That's a really good point about her giving her the greatest gift. Like, you should just be thankful and sit there and gently massage those wrists. Yeah, and it's just really interesting to me. And and there's such a a divide, obviously, between the wives and the handmaids, but, you know, they're supposed to, at the end of this, become a mother and be nurturing and have this child that they're supposed to raise to be, you know, either a, a proper woman or what they would assume is manly by all um, no totally like I think like that's going to carry out all the way until the end of season two like you know she has to get warmer she has to be more accepting because if she doesn't she's going to be a mother at the end of this and she can't be out here being stone cold to everybody and also be a mother of a newborn you just can't have those two or you could but you're going to raise a really messed up child yeah. And to your point about, you know, thinking of June and what she's going through in that moment, how she's thinking about all, all she can think about is her child and the, her previous life. And it's so interesting to me that they really lead in with that because at this point we're, we're so new to the show. We don't really understand what the ceremony truly means, where it came from, why certain women were chosen. Mm. But, you know, June does have that nurturing background she has this daughter that she can't stop thinking about that she's fighting for which is exactly what you see in a lot of women and and young women or even children that are kidnapped in situations like that I mean like what a good point have you ever seen the room I've seen the room you know I follow Elizabeth Smart to this day on Instagram and it's just so interesting you know hearing her story still years later of how she got through that she just always fought for what she had before being kidnapped and was always a fighter wanting to get back to that life. And I think that's why a lot of, yeah, I don't think I ever thought to associate it with kidnapping. That's such a good point. It is. And, and I think that's why, you know, June is, is so nurturing still is people tend to stay in that state that they were in when they were kidnapped. That's why when, when children are kidnapped in their, either found or they escape years later they're still that kid that they were when they were 9, 10, 11. June uh-huh, is always yeah. going to be that mother and always will have that background. So I think it's so interesting that they led with that because I think there's going to be so much more to the story of June fighting for that that family and who she was before. Yeah. Had. Or just to be back in like her same nurturing environment like even if she does get pregnant like She's going to want to be the same, like, caregiver that she was to Hannah. Exactly. And I think that carries into, the you know, the next couple of scenes, especially in this show, because at that point she's alone. She thinks she's fighting by herself. And I really think that this this episode really opens up to more of a... Community? Community, yeah, amongst the handmaids. And I think it all starts with, you know, the next scene when she and Emily are walking together and... and She's just not sure what she thinks yet of her surroundings or who she can really trust. Yeah, so I wrote, like, you know, that they were cultivating a friendship and learning more about each other. But my favorite part is that, um, you know, 
um, off red is more nurturing and loving and caring and giving as a person, but like off Glen is more uh, sarcastic and like kind of rude and crass. And like the two personalities together would make like a really believable friendship, like in a not Gilead society. So them being friends in Gilead makes a lot of sense because they're complete opposites, but like super relatable as friends. Like I see that happening. But then when um, Emily says like, oh, wow, they were just so kind enough to overlook my sinful past um, and force me into this like life of handmade like that was hysterical because she's like trying to like relate but in her own like kind of messed up way with Offred who isn't sure if she's ready to like resist yet. Right. And she's like, right, Girl, you're yeah. ready to resist, like, look where we are. And it's just like at that point I you know, Off had been there maybe a little longer than Offred at that point and she was fed up and ready to go. She's obviously a fighter. Um, based on the fact that she was the first one to really put it out there that she's open to talking about their past lives and jobs and simple. My favorite part of, like, the first episode was when she was, when Afra was like, oh, she's a pious bitch or whatever. And then when they were talking to each other, she was like, oh, I thought you were a pious bitch. Like, they both thought the same thing. Like, they're obviously so good at playing their role that, like, I'm sure there's multiple handmaids in this society, like, who are all playing this role and they're not sure, like, who to trust, which is what Gilead is trying to do to these women, make them all unsure of who to trust, so that way, um, you know, they're uncomfortable and they don't talk about, you know, anything and resisting or anything. Well, I think it goes to the point that we were talking about, you know, earlier before we started recording of how they instill that fear and the ways that they instill that fear and a lot of the the color and background of the show i mean everything is very mute the main you know the eyes the commanders are all in black they are they are the ones that are supposed to be instilling this fear They're, these are the ones that are trying to command that that attention and you know show who's boss and i think that's really interesting that they're all you know supposed to be this this scary and brutal force yeah and they're all in black and their wives are in blue which is like a symbol of power and they're in black and they're a symbol of fear and then the women are in red which is like a symbol of blood and you know despair yeah sin and um sin like oh like scarlet letter yeah very scarlet letter and um you know they hang these men and women that have sinned in Gilead in front of them to show this could be you and you're already wearing your scarlet letter around you're already being watched all the time true like we know who you are don't worry exactly the eyes are not gonna let you off easy so um I think it's really interesting that they've instilled such a fear and it just makes it makes a lot of sense uh to how even a conservative mindset and background goes where when you read the Bible, you're told that if you sin, you're not going to go to heaven. And that's a big part of so many people's passing is they want to know that there's an afterlife. And yeah. Gilead is kind of that, that afterlife to all these people, that this is another chance for them to be reborn and follow the right path. Yeah, which, you know, in episode three, which we're not there yet, but I'm going to just splurge, the new off Glen is like, 
don't mess up my chance because I used to be a crackhead and like now I have this awesome life like you're gonna mess it up and so for her this is like a, a re- rebirth. yeah rebirth and like here she is like she gets to be this whole nother person and like be important to somebody and somebody loves her even if it is just like her her um the wife or whatever and the commander but like she didn't have that same acceptance in her prior life whereas yeah. some of these women came from really loving environments like off Glen and off red where they had you know significant others and children and they were okay they didn't need all yeah. this and so you know this isn't their rebirth this is their hell like what did they do exactly. to sin so hard that they got sent to hell yeah and they believe in things like science and education whereas Gilead is all based off of yeah and bringing up science is a good point because I was saying that um, in my notes I wrote that Gilead is against science, which is super familiar sounding to uh, the current president. You know, he's really anti, um, he wants to start the Space Force versus NASA, who we already have, who does science for us. A lot of, a lot of. What is global warming? Yeah, a lot of what's in his ear are men similar to the commander, you know, specifically Mike Pence, who has all of these extreme beliefs based off of the Bible and his religion and his conservative background. You know, he's so willing to tell the president anything that he can to get him to believe what he's saying, you know, that women are property and that gays are are sinful and he's believing the president is believing all these things because he wants that power he has this extremely misogynistic mindset that he should be in power you know he's always been there with how he treats women in Miss America pageants and in the office Uh, he just has never had a I mean wait pause the fact that our current president has once run a Miss America pageant I can't I just I mean, seriously, like, how is anybody taking him seriously? And how is anybody believing any of the crap that he's saying when he has probably lived one of the most sinful pasts? True. Who is he? Also, the fact that he wanted to put... This is way off topic, but, I mean, he wants to live this, like, super, like, he's super Christian, but his daughter and his son-in-law are in his cabinet, and they're Jewish. Yeah. One... It's just like, there's, it's just, I feel like, I feel like extreme extremists in the religious space are so willing to just believe that someone can push that agenda, which is, what is the word where it's like you, you kind of overlook everything else. So that way it kind of fits your mold. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not actually, you know, religious, like these guys in Gilead, the commanders, they're not actually religious. They're just if religion fits the mold and it sounds good to other people, like, oh, we're following these people because they're also religious like us. Like, it sounds good, but that doesn't mean that's what they believe in. Yeah, and it's just, at that point, they're they're all ashamed of being barren, but they don't want to come out and say, hey, we are barren men. So they are instead trying to use the Bible as a way of life to say, oh, we can rape these women get them pregnant because they're technically whores 
um, to make it better for their wives instead of the, their wives leaving them for men who can actually get them pregnant. True. And we haven't got there yet, but yeah, like most of the infertility, usually even today will lie in men. It's not common that, you know, usually you always test the man first for infertility and then you test the women's eggs because, I mean, the problem generally lies with men. Yeah, exactly. And I think they were able to instill such a fear based on their, their beliefs that, you know, they have the Marthas believing that what they're doing is right. Yeah, so, so, I have to ask you what you thought about this. So, Rita's been kind of a cold character so far. Yeah. And, um, and then when the birthmobile shows up, and then Rita is like, hurry up, there's gonna be a baby, and she was super stoked. And I was like, Rita, girl, like, you weren't excited for any... You don't even like Offred because of what she's about to do in this house. But as soon as the birthmobile shows up, you're super excited. So I was, like, curious what somebody else thought about that. Yeah, it was really interesting to me when she got excited about the birthmobile because it's just... Agreed. She was such a cold character. And at first I was thinking, oh, she's just there because she wants to save her own life. But when she had genuine excitement about the birthmobile, I was like, but what... What sparked that excitement? Is she so scared of Gilead and so scared of the commander? I mean, like, they have a really rough household. They're in one of the most sought-out... And, like, strict. Yeah. It's extremely strict. There's... It's wealthy. There's what people would consider... Well, yeah, he's, like, a higher-up. He would be, like, like the vice president. I'm pretty sure in, like, the chain of command, he's either, like, the vice or, like, the vice-vice. Like... He's pretty much, he's up there because that one guy is the president, the president. I mean, like I'm doing air quotes, you can't see them, but the like white haired guy who's like kind of chubby. Yeah. And then we just have like the like three who are right after him. Yeah. the Naomi's husband. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it was just interesting to me. And, and I think maybe it's something that we don't know very much about her yet. We don't know why. We don't know what her past is. We're not sure 100% who she is to the household. Like, we know that she's the caretaker, but, you know, what is her storyline? What is her background? What's her That's life? what I'm yeah. so curious about. Like, who is she prior to? Because yeah. a lot of the times the Ritas are infertile, but, like, um, they're, like, brilliant. Yeah. Like, they were, like, doctors or uh, writers or something. So I'm, like, so curious, like, what she was before. And I hope in season three they kind of give us more of, like, a character background since she just... I'm not going to spoil, but, you know. I hope that in season three they give us more of a character background on her because I'm so... I mean, her character develops so much, and it's so great. And I'm like, give me more. I need more Rita. Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally on board with that. And so, you know, after she gets excited about the birthmobile, this is when it gets really weird to me when we get to the birth, mm-hmm. birth at, at uh, the elaborate, what they would, you would by any means call a party that they had for... Like, life. also, next time I have another kid, just throw me that party. I mean, like, seriously, macaroons, cookies, cake. Coffee. Coffee. All the coffee. <laughs> I need a harpist in the room with me. 
Okay. It was just really, like, I just could not imagine that many people in my house when I'm trying to give birth. Yeah, like, goodbye. It just would be too much. <laughs> much less, like, everybody eating like, cookies around me when I'm trying to give birth. All like, of your friends, me. like, just, like, touching your face gently. That would be I'm great. Sweating. My vagina's dilating. I need you to back up. Also, if I'm not allowed to have any of that coffee or any of those cookies, neither can you. But that's just me. But, of course, Janine doesn't even get to know you know, the luxury of, of that party because she's upstairs being literally giving birth. She's the one doing it. And it's just so bizarre, this scene. And I, I, again, it's just episode two and it's crazy that they threw us right into a birth, but there's that really eerie scene of the housewife acting as though she is the one in labor. Yeah, so Naomi pretending to be in labor irritated me beyond belief. So the first, so I've watched the show, I've rewatched it five times because honestly I don't have anything else to do and sometimes I get really bored. So so I've rewatched it five times, so this is my fifth time rewatching it. And this was the first time that I watched the complete birth scene because when I watched Naomi pretend to go into labor and like pretend to sweat, I was so furious having been in that situation where I was in labor and I was like, no, I can't watch this. This lady is too much. Well, like, yeah, because like you just said, you've been through labor twice now and it's just crazy to imagine that I could sit right on the floor next to you <laughs> pretending like I am feeling that pain. I mean, whether or not, like, I would say, there's no, it just wouldn't, I can't imagine that I can just sit there and look at you being like, next time. I can feel it. Like, yeah. No. Like, sweat. I was so upset this time watching her sweat profusely. And, like, her friends are dabbing her, feeding her macaroons. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. It's not it's like that. Because she's so delusional that she really does feel the pain. Or she's sweating because she realizes that she is not fit to be a mother, ready to yeah. be a mother. No idea. It's about to get wild. Through, yeah. Involvement of being a parent is going to be that she's actually kind of nervous and sweating it, actually. So... That was what I was thinking is like she actually might be delusional or she really might be in fear that she is not ready to be a mom. Yeah. And then we we, we switch back to Janine, who is doing all the hard work and all the hard labor, gets out this beautiful baby girl, um, doesn't want to name it Angela. It gets named Angela. It's not up to her because as soon as it leaves her womb, it's not hers and it gets snatched from her and immediately placed into Naomi's arms. And Naomi is crowded with love and joy and wow, you did it. Like, no, she didn't do anything but hold down wrist during rape. Like she didn't do anything. And honestly, it's so weird to me that, you know, all the the wives are crowding Naomi and are so proud of her. But what really disturbed me is when the handmade mother what is Aunt Lydia yeah Aunt Lydia I really like that you said that like it's a sorority (laughs) yeah that's what it feels like it's so a really sorority and it was cult and um goes to Janine and is so proud of her and Mm. treats her like a queen and makes sure all the other handmaids are giving her the love and attention that she deserves after providing such a miracle and this healthy baby to this mother and it's just 
so demented that she treats these girls in such a demeanor for so for so many weeks to train them and and brainwashing brainwashing them that they're going to get raped and have to deliver a baby that they get immediately snatched and it's just like it was so delusional that she was sitting there congratulating her on such a job well done when she knew in the end that she was not going to have this that she wasn't even going to be a parent to this child it's just so which which about being a parent you know later in the episode um Janine is uh, laying in this beautiful bed and she's relaxing postpartum and um and then they ask her like if she can breastfeed and she's like oh yeah you know I breastfed my son Caleb and um and then she just looks at her daughter you know for like the first time this is her first time holding the baby and she's like I'm your mommy and Caleb's your brother and like that part was so sad because the only time that she'll get to be a mother again is immediately postpartum breastfeeding these children and like only for a few minutes you know breastfeeding doesn't last all day so she doesn't get to be there and be their mother and she has to like you know put all these thoughts in their head while they're uh still breastfeeding so yeah, and that's such an intimate, you know, you know, it's such an intimate bond between mother and baby is with the act of breastfeeding. Yeah. And I think it's so tormenting that that's all the... the yeah, you only get that one super up close and personal, that's all you get. But, like, that's literally all you need to make this bond because a lot of times, you know, if your baby isn't thriving, they say do uh, skin to skin and you know breastfeed and that's exactly what she's doing skin to skin and breastfeeding for a baby who needs to thrive and And that's all she gets to do that's all she's for is just like a vessel it's primal instinct that a mother and their child like that bond of feeding and that bond of attachment is in every single you know primate that exists mammals and amphibians they, they all have that attachment to their to their kin and it's just so inhumane to take away a child and a mother and break a, a hard child and a mother from that that yeah so then that goes back into when june is thinking of her her birthday um and um, someone had kidnapped her daughter and uh, she was like in the same panic and fear and sorrow that you saw Janine in uh, when they immediately take Angela from her. But the saddest part is that when they take Angela from Janine, she doesn't uh, ever get her back. You know, it's not the same feeling when June gets her daughter back in the hospital where she's like, okay, this is my baby. I get to hold her and cuddle her and she's fine. She's fine. Like Janine gets her baby snatched, put into another woman's arm. The other woman is complimented. Like it, that's tragic. Yeah. And especially since it's not a choice. And I mean, even, even for mothers that choose adoption as their route and they have to give up that. Or like surrogacy, you know, that's gotta be hard. It doesn't matter. Still, you still, still carried the them. Hormonal, I mean, still the, the, still the, the motherly instinct, right? And so it's just such an inhumane agreement that these women are 
already kidnapped against their will, raped, and then they have to give up the one thing that they have that's keeping them going for all that time. Yep, I agree. So then we're brought into, like, the world's second weirdest scene because I definitely agree that (laughs) that the birth was the weirdest scene ever uh where we're playing Scrabble with um good old Commander Fred who I (laughs) truly who I truly believe is a sadomasochist so I looked up the definition of sadomasochism and it's the pleasure or sexual gratification from inflicting or submitting Um, another person to physical or mental pain and suffering, which is Fred. Yeah. That's right. And for those who, you know, don't know the show well enough yet or may have missed this, the women, all women, wives, handmaids, Martha's, children, all women in Gilead are not allowed to read. They are completely... I guess you're right. Like, that that hasn't been stressed yet, but, like, it gets stressed. (laughs) No, it's, um, you know, there's this painstaking fear in June already, or Alfred, that she knows she's not supposed to be educated enough to read. One well, also, she's not supposed to be down there. So exactly, strike one. She's not allowed to be in his man cave, strike two. She's definitely not allowed to be reading. Yeah. So. And so all these things that she's, you know, you know, the eye comes and tells her that the commander wants to see her, her at 9 o'clock in his office, and she's already scared to death. Like, what is, What does he know about me? What does he want from me? And he goes in, she goes in, and he's immediately like, you know, let's play a game. Mm. One that includes reading, it's just... Like, what, what is this, think? Saw? Like, no thank you. Right. And, you know, of course she's like, am I going to... You want to play a game. Am I going to get arrested am I gonna get raped what's gonna happen and and she has to pretend you know because out of her own fear and of course we talked about how much she wants to stay alive for her daughter she has to pretend as though she's enjoying it you know play the game smart yeah because she lets him win yeah and then she also gets information that Off Glenn suggested that she ask about. Because Off Glenn's like, hey, why don't you spy for us? And so she's like, oh, why are you going to D.C.? Yeah, she wants intel. She's, she's, and she's smarter. Wait, than... it's D.C., right? Yeah. She, he's coming to which visit is, you. Yeah, which is wild. <laughs> well, actually... I guess it's not that wild to imagine considering the commander. <laughs> Look at the already, the uh, commander in chief. Uh, <gasps> commander in chief. Make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, I think, and I think there's a lot of symbolism for why they chose Washington, D.C. as the first place that he's traveling. And yeah, honestly, also, sidebar. So to our current situation. Melania is also with her commander every night. <laughs> oh. But you know what? Melania and Serena kind of remind me. Yes. Of Heather, right? So earlier, I just have to let this in. Earlier, Savannah made like this great, great uh, relation to um, Mike Pence and Commander Fred. And, like, I have never once thought about that, and now I can't not think about that. Yeah, I mean, like, 
they have these extreme values that they were able to convince just enough people. And I'm sure a lot of the other men that are leading our country right now, I mean, most of the conservative Republic community believes a lot of the same things as Mike Pence, but that's all you need, right? Is just a couple of of people in one community to start spreading the word. I mean, like that's how Donald Trump was once what he claims as a Democrat that was who believed in in liberal values to an extent and was able to believe all of those values and those beliefs because he cared about power more, which is extremely misogynistic in my opinion. You know, there's always that big dick power that we're talking about, right? And he's he wanted that big dick power. And he was able to be persuaded by this group of men that said, if you believe what we believe and announce to the world that you believe what we believe, you're going to get that that power position. You'll be commander-in-chief. And Donald Trump was like, I can tell people that I believe that it's okay. Yeah, I'll make everybody feel fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. and I think that the, that's what the commander did. He was able to find a way to tell a lot of men that they'll be powerful, that they'll run yeah we can control anybody it doesn't matter if we're controlling things that we don't belong in controlling yep and so it's just the commander has this extremely manipulative way and i think that mike pence is a very similar man where he can manipulate his way into power by just finding the right people that he believes he can persuade to believe the same thing as him agreed so I think like the the gist of this entire episode is like, you know, one, you're going to be controlled by a dominating force who you don't have any control over. Two, nothing is ever going to be constant because the last scene, the last like fucking three minutes of this show, she walks out. She's so proud of herself prior to this. Not prior post this uh, Scrabble game. She's excited. She walks out and she sees somebody who's not Emily. Yeah, they replaced Emily and it's just that moment where she felt any sort of hope because there was a community on yeah. her side. This, there was a fight that was to be had. It was all out the window from that moment. Yeah, she's hopeless now. Mm-hmm. So... Like her, her last word is fuck. Exactly. <laughs> what a lot of us think when all of a sudden your entire plan. Like everything is gone. Out. You're like, fuck, okay, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like a 16 timer fucker, so it's fine. It's like, yeah. Oh, shit, exactly. fuck, 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 shit, fuck. Yeah, you just, that's all you can say at that point. <sighs> Agreed. Man, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. I mean, this show is gut wrenching. It's, hard to digest and it's extremely important to understand to watch and really identify what is happening in our day today yeah I think like in order to watch this show show, you have to be uh, aware of the current political climate like you have to be in order to thoroughly enjoy what's happening on the show and by enjoy I don't mean like this is going to be super fun to watch I mean like (laughs) <laughs> take it in that's for sure I mean there are many a night that I cried but oh god season important. two just like one big cry fest that's one big cry fest and I, but I, I'm glad that 
we can have this conversation and and that we can still have this conversation men as well to true educate themselves on the show be a part of the conversation and you know continue watching because it gets really good from here on out it's just episode two and there's so much to digest already okay two things one did you read the book no i did not read the book i know i've heard it's so bad i know a lot of people that have read the book yeah i read the book I think that the the show does the book so much justice that, I mean, I always say, I mean, I love Harry Potter, but I've never read the books because I don't want it to ruin my movies. Yeah. So why would you let this ruin your show? Um, two, how do you feel about uh, men who, like, speak on Handmaid's Tale? That's just something... The whole reason this podcast started was because um, I'm a podcast listener. Do you listen to podcasts? I do listen to podcasts. Yeah. So I like to listen to podcasts about things that, like, I'm currently watching. So I'll always just, like, if I start a new show, I'll, like, look and see if they have a podcast about it. Like, because I like to hear what other people are like. I'm like, did they also see this weird little piece in there? Right? So I go to listen to a Handmaid's Tale podcast. Um, That's not what it's called, but... That's what it was. Um, and it's all men. Interesting. And so I was like, I really feel like they missed the whole point of the show. If they're going to be a full men podcast, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't, I don't know. I don't want to say it's not for you, but it's not for you. What do you think? So obviously living in D.C., yeah, in, in D.C., everybody has their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak, with the political climate everybody's debating everybody has an opinion i mean that's just the whole nature of washington dc that's why it's our nation's capital yeah that's a very political space in our country and so of course of course i come across men that have opinions on the show there are men that i've talked and i'm not to. saying they shouldn't have opinions but i'm right. saying they shouldn't be the only opinions out there in fact they exactly. shouldn't be out there you know, but i have heard <laughs> i've heard an ignorant opinion about it in my in my own opinion I believe it yeah and then I've also heard men who who maybe want to be a part of the conversation are trying to educate themselves on the conversation but still it's really hard no matter how educated they are because um, you won't ever be there yeah like I'm dating somebody who believes full-heartedly in the the whole sexual assault cause that he wants to be a big voice and, and ally to women that are assaulted but I still at the end of the day don't think that he fully will ever understand what it is like to be in our shoes I mean just like everyday life for a woman you know exactly and so like I always appreciate hearing his side but it's something that I it's I it's a bitter pill to swallow at the same time because I'm like great I appreciate that Handmaid's Tale speaks to you or the sexual assault community is something that you really care about but at the same time, there's only so much education you could take in until you've been in that situation. Yeah. So. And men are assaulted as well as much as women. But the fact is that women are more likely to be victims because of their fragileness, their, you know, likelihood to believe in something. They're smaller and frailer. Not all women, but also most women. <laughs> more likely to be afraid of their assailant, you 
Yeah. And, or more likely to just be trusting, like, hey, you've had a rough night out. Let me help you home. Like, that's happened. Yeah. And you just believe them. And that's not what happens. So, yeah. so absolutely. I appreciate, I appreciate men that want to get educated and want to be a part of the conversation. And I definitely appreciate men that have been through situations of their own where, you know, they've maybe been assaulted or in a situation where they felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so... There's definitely both sides, but right now, you know, the Handmaid's Tale, Handmaid's Tale story is about women. What a climate right now, and women in it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I be agree. Be part of it. Get educated. Um, you know, you can always. Yeah, get educated. Like have your opinions. Keep them to yourself because this. Literally, if we asked Margaret Atwood tomorrow, would she prefer a man to divulge in her show, or would she prefer a woman? I can guarantee she would say a woman because that's who the book, the show, the entire concept was written for. It was for women. It wasn't for men. And so, you know, that's just my opinion. That's why this whole show started was because I was just trying to find a good podcast and I couldn't find one. Yeah, honestly, though, (laughs) she still does champion strong male allies, though. So always be an ally. Yeah. Got big girls out for the women in your life and you know watch the show because it's very eye-opening true okay thank you savannah for coming on you are welcome glad i could be a part of the conversation absolutely cool well thank you for listening and uh episodes drop every friday or take that back every other Friday. Um, follow us on Instagram at praised podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email me at praise at gmail.com or just send me a direct message on the Instagram. I would love to hear from you and what you would like to hear. So thank you. Thank you so much.